0: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Politics in the Pulpit, a lectionary based preaching resource brought to you by the joint public issues team designed to ask the question of whether and how politics should feature in our preaching this week. My name's David Main, a Baptist minister based in Essex, and this is my last Politics in the Pulpit with you as host. More about that later. And just before I introduce my guest today, uh, I apologise in advance uh, for any background noise that you might be picking up today. Uh, Some roadworks have just begun about 30 seconds ago outside my window. Uh, But today, as our guest, uh, we have someone who's going to be taking over as the host for the next season, which will be in the new year. So I am absolutely delighted to introduce you today Raj Bhattar, who currently serves as a Methodist minister in the United Stockport Circuit. He's completed a PhD with a thesis on towards a subaltern public theology for India at the University of Manchester. Prior to this, he served the Student Christian Movement of India as its National General Secretary and the National Council of Churches in India, also as one of its executive secretaries for the Commission on Dalits and Adivasis. He also works as an honorary chaplain at St. Peter's Church and in chaplaincy uh, with the university communities in Manchester. Ross, thank you so much for joining us. Uh,
1: hi, David. Thank you very much for this invitation.
0: Oh, it's great to have you as part of the podcast, and great to have you taking over as a host uh, in the new year. Thought I might just ask you a couple of questions so our uh, listeners and viewers get to know you in preparation for that. Um, so, what sort of things are important to you? What's big on your radar at the moment? Uh,
1: thanks, David. I also need to tell about myself in this journey because I I originally come from India. And I had been a Lutheran minister. So now I'm currently serving the Methodist Church. Okay. So so I have multiple belongings in terms of Lutheran Methodist. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also need to say that I come from, uh, in the Indian context of caste system. So my family is born outside of the caste system. So they're called the ex-untouchables or the Dalits. Mm -hmm. So. So therefore that experience also comes to me as a read or as a reflect. And uh, so one, I need to say that I celebrate my multiple belongings and I also bring in the experience of from my context back home. And with that, I also bring in theology of liberation, liberation theology, public theology and post-coloniality in terms of my reading and reflections. Mm-hmm.
0: Fantastic. I think our uh, our listeners and viewers are getting a significant upgrade in terms of one's intellectual capacity for next season. I'm really excited to be listening in um, to that. Uh, so uh, what sort of thing are you reading at the moment? What's on your your stand of books? Well,
1: uh, the recent one I've started to read is the book on Dear England by the, the mm-hmm. Archbishop. Uh, Again, that in contrast to Anthony Reddy's theologizing Brexit. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm just trying to see how do we understand uh, Englishness in this context of multicultural, multi-diverse. And where do I find myself? Because I am, what do you call, Indian by passport, British by residence, Christian by faith and Dalit by identity. So where do I fit in and what do I contribute towards British Christianity is how I've been reflecting. And so therefore there is a contrast and a a healthy conversation between Anthony Reddy's theologizing Brexit Mm. and Steve's Dear England. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Two great books to be thinking about at the moment. Um, What brings you joy? What do you do for fun?
1: Uh, I, I, I enjoy watching films. And okay, I'm a cricket lover, so follow mm-hmm. cricket, and uh, now I mean again moving into this context, taking on with football, so things like that, but uh, mostly spending time with family and enjoying the walks and uh, watching films together as family. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Well,
0: we look forward to hearing more about all of those things uh, over the the coming weeks and uh, exploring how your your context uh, and your history and experience speaks into the readings that we'll be exploring. Um, so, are politics and preaching natural partners for you? Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, they are. They are. They ha- and they have been. I mean, I have always been a, a strong believer of bringing in the politics of spirituality and the spirituality of politics. So I always wanted them to go together and I cannot read my scripture or anything that I read without understanding the politics, particularly reading it from a post-colonial perspective, how the politics of power operate in a text or in a situation and how do we understand it from the, from the from the perspectives of the powerlessness or the subalterns as I have done my research on. So therefore uh, I mean, any 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 sermon or any any reflection without a political engagement will be very stale and bland. And uh, I think it is important that they go hand in hand.
0: And what uh, issues or um, policies um, are uh, significant for your community in Stockport at the moment? What are the sort of things that are taking hold in your week?
1: I mean. I have been engaged with issues of racism, trying to say we live in a multicultural, multi-diverse 21st century post-secular British context. And therefore I bring in reflections from the perspectives of what does it mean to be a person with a a difference in color of my identity. And in Stockport particularly, uh, my engagements have been in situations of poverty and hunger. So we have been as a church involved with uh, in holiday hunger and then it, it has been startling to see how poverty is right in my own borough and but though poverty is very relative from the context i come from india and in this into this context but poverty is real hunger is real and what what should be our faith response has been one of the things and uh, the third thing has been in terms of a town center chaplaincy how can how can we offer faith in the public sphere so engagements in terms of ecumenism with churches together, working on stop interfaith, work uh, 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 jointly and collaboratively. So those have been some of my 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 daily engagements in terms of ministry here where I am at the moment. Brilliant, thank you. Um,
0: each week before we dig into our Text. We, we take a little bit of a, a survey of what's going on around us. And as always, the uh, excellent uh, JPIT team have sent me some information of things that might be uh, before us at the moment. Obviously, liturgically, this Sunday, we begin the season of Advent, and that's significant in a number of ways. Um, but other things that they have uh, mentioned uh, this week, obviously, Uh, Today and uh, tomorrow, there is the funeral and then a memorial for David Amos and uh, his murder still casting a long shadow over the politics of the nation. Uh, Today in Parliament, there's an ongoing debate about social care reform and particularly uh, how those reforms are unlikely to help the least well off amongst us. Um, There's headlines in recent days that there could be 100,000 children in the care system Uh, within the next three or four years. We continue to see the news uh, talking about uh, crossings from the channel. Uh, We continue to read about the fallout from the bomb in Liverpool, and particularly with churches coming under some scrutiny, uh, supposedly for being naive and gullible and supporting people um, who have uh, so-called false conversions in order to settle in the UK. And then as we enter Advent season, and uh, not unusually, um, it's also starting to turn colder and uh, many churches will be involved in um, those dealing in energy poverty and helping those who will be uh, rough sleeping in their neighborhoods also. Internationally, there's plenty going on as well. Um, there's the situation in Austria where vaccines have been made compulsory um, and set in the, the context of increasing Uh, rates of uh, COVID and uh, riots across parts of Europe in response to measures to deal with that. The protests in Sudan against the recent military coup uh, have become increasingly dangerous. And we have the ongoing crisis also at the Poland-Belarus border. So Lots of politics and lots of social affairs and international affairs that set the context for our reading. And in response to all of that, one is tempted to simply pray, come Lord Jesus. And so it feels suitable to be embarking on the Advent season. Mm-hmm. So uh readings for today, we have a reading from Jeremiah and from 1 Thessalonians and from Luke, uh, and also uh, when some folks use the lectionary, they'll use the psalm for the week as well, which is Psalm 25, and I know you've been reflecting on that psalm already, so I wonder if we might start there today.
1: Uh, yes, David, I mean, this week I, I, have, I was asked to contribute for the political theology blog on the politics of scripture for this season of Advent, and I picked psalm 25 because three years ago i i reflected on the first sunday in advent for politics of scripture and i reflected on luke so i wanted to take a different tangent and so picked on the psalm 25 i mean psalm 25 verses 1 to 10 are part of the reading for this for this week and it is the psalmist who is seeking god's help i mean asking god i mean putting his trust in god And as I read this psalm, the first thing I realized is the the context of shame. Because coming from an Indian context and from a Dalit context, right right in my own childhood, when a child is naked or runs without clothes, we are immediately told by the adults, shame, shame, puppy, shame. So there was shame that was put on us if you were naked. And as, as we grow older, I mean, in my context again, when we cook beef at home, so when my friends asked, what did you have for dinner? We say beef, but we say in a code word called that. Because to utter the word of, to say that we have eaten beef, the, 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 the upper caste and the systems have said eating beef is very polluting. And therefore, we had to speak that in terms of a code word like that. And therefore, shame has been indoctrinated onto us. And again, moving on to this context of UK, when I have come here, the way people use the word shame is very different in a sense. Like if one of my colleagues doesn't come to a scheduled meeting, she, they, they say it is such a shame that shame is in terms of sad. And though I know it is, there are those sociological realities where for some people and communities, shame is pushed onto them. So what I'm trying to say in, in the context of shame, where shame is that sense of inadequacy with oneself, where you lose trust with oneself and therefore you, you can't be out into the community and uh, again into the presence of the Lord. So th- there there is this politics of shame and when I read Psalm 25, I immediately saw the psalmist praying that he begins this psalm Asking God not to put him to shame, and he concludes it not to put him into shame. And in this context, he's trying to say, though shame has been indoctrinated or has been enforced upon him, the psalmist is trying to say, In God I trust. Mm. So, into the politics of shame, the theological response of the gospel or the good news is that our trust is in God. And when we say our trust is in God, as I read the psalm again, our trust is not in the so-called gods that we have made around us. Our trust is in God, the, the God. So so that that offers me some, some hope as I read this passage because there are several people across the world where they are living in context and situations of shame. And it, it goes on. If we, If we define the depth and the breadth of shame, there are, There is so much shame has been enforced on people. So Psalm 25 for me, the God of Psalm 25 is a God of trust, is a God who brings in some confidence and is a God who offers hope. So that is a message for the first Sunday in Advent because when we are waiting for the arrival of the Lord, it is about celebrating that longing to belong and that longing for hope.
0: Yes, I'm so pleased to embrace the psalm in our reflection for that because it seems so, as you say, relevant for this Sunday.
1: Mm.
0: I will look forward to checking out the blog. I've not yeah. I've not I've not done that on use that blog before, so I shall get on to that this afternoon. Um from our other three readings, where where do you want to go next?
1: I mean to read from Luke's gospel, which will be my key theme, but uh, maybe we should start with Jeremiah, where in in chapter 33, the, the the context of the the situation in Jeremiah, as we know, is he's he's prophesying in the in the context of exile, asking for help, and again pronouncing that hope to his context in exile. And the words that are, that are mentioned is this righteous branch. Mm-hmm. And in those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up. And he shall execute justice and righteousness. So I think that again is something very powerful because righteousness is God's alone. And, and Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, offers hope by saying, and in this name, the Lord is our righteousness. Today we live in a world where people seek righteousness for themselves because of my good works, because of I'm trying to do something. But Jeremiah is reminding that righteousness belongs to God and it is God who acts in God's own righteousness and that shooting up of their righteous branch is a hope for all of us in our times today. And when I read it in the context, say so this week, the 29th, uh, uh, next week on the 29th is the United Nations Day of Solidarity for Palestine and Israel. So in the context of Palestine, again, when shame is enforced because of the occupation and when they are longing uh, to move on from this so-called exile, this branch, this righteous branch is a sense of hope that comes from God. But that doesn't only allow us to say that it is only the other world, but it is about us as followers of faith maybe Jeremiah, though distanced by time, this is an invitation for us to say that are there any 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 hope, any sprouting of these righteous branches in our own context? So globally, our call is to speak up for the rights of Palestinians. That will be to say that there is there are shoots of righteousness growing on. In my context of Dalit situation, when caste oppression continues, we, we are longing for these sprouting of righteous branches. And in this context, in the UK, when migrants, when xenophobia is increasing, we need shoots of righteous branches where people can offer hope. And that is how I I would engage with the the reading from Jeremiah.
0: Okay, yes, there's uh, plenty to get our teeth into there, and and there's mm-hmm. an extended discourse of the sort of the righteous branch a bit earlier in Jeremiah, isn't there in, in twenty. 3, I think it is, uh, yeah. which verses 14 to 16 are, are quoting or reiterating uh, for us. Mm. Um Let's drift on to Thessalonians. Yeah. Uh,
1: so, yeah. Then moving to the Thessalonian church. I mean, one thing that fascinates every time I read Thessalonians, see Thessalonians were the early church where they thought the, the coming of the Lord is very soon. And so they mm. have they stopped everything and they have been only waiting on the Lord. But Paul when or the writer when he is trying to uh, challenge them in a way in their faith is also offering some hope to them. So like when, when Paul is writing them, uh, he says, night and day we pray most earnestly to seek face to face. I mean, he's he's inviting them to not just stop your work, but continue. Of course, we need prayer. But continue with your activities because prayer is in actions. Prayer is not just merely about words. And then what I saw from Thessalonians, the way from verse 11, 12, and 13, he is trying to give a, a blessing or asking them to challenge them. May our God direct our way. May the Lord increase us in love of one another. And may the Lord strengthen our hearts in holiness. So I, I think that is that is a call for us for our times today, not to just be in a state of inertia because most times in our context, we think uh, I'm helpless or my age doesn't cope or my situation doesn't cope. And we tend to be like the Thessalonian church, not doing anything just but for the arrival of the Jesus Christ. I mean, in a way, Paul is trying to say the Lord's coming to us every day and the Lord is offering us that hope so that we are strengthened, we are called to love one another and we are only asked to be led by the way God is leading us. So today we live in a world where we are directed by, for example, market, where they say buy one, get two or buy one, get three and things like that. So we are carried away by such directions and either we we, we spill from the faith or we, we we slip away from our faith. So the, the, the Thessalonian reading is encouraging us to stay strong in God, to allow God to lead us, to love one another, and love is for me selflessness, and self is lawlessness. So therefore, in that moving forward, we are called to await the arrival of this season, I mean the advent or the messiah, into a context so that we are we are we will be led and directed by God and God's voice alone.
0: Yes, I think there is really something in that how I mean, just looking at our list of things from the team this week. But actually, as we, Advent's always an opportunity to wait and and look. And it would be very easy for the size of the task and the size of the problems and the challenges to lead you to not doing anything. Bizarrely, it's strange. But you, where on earth do you begin? How on earth can we, I, we make any difference? And yet here is Paul saying to them this is what we're praying God's going to do through you and in you. Mm. Um, And then, you know, there's things to do in the meantime. We're not, as you say, we're not just waiting for Jesus to return and fix things. We've got work to do uh, in and for for the kingdom. Mm. Mm. And how might all that tie in with our gospel reading this week? Um, I mean, the reading we have is Luke 21, 25 to 36. I mean, it's part of the sort of, slightly more apocalyptic discourse begins a bit earlier in the chapter doesn't it verse five yeah. 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 um but we've just got this bit here and and I was reminded of uh one of our readings from a couple of weeks ago where uh Lord Boateng was talking to us about reading the signs of the times and there's a bit of a sense of that here you know there will be signs
1: yeah.
0: um yeah you know, how 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 do you preach sort of a text like like this because it's very I, I don't maybe you you uh just have a different way of approaching this to me. But I find this a bit of a challenge, a text like this, because the, um, if I was content by saying, ah, oh, right, well, this has happened and so-and-so has been elected here and these are the signs. And now, you know, somebody came in to visit me a few weeks ago to tell me that the, the second seal of the scroll has been uh, released and therefore I should get ready or whatever. I didn't quite even understand where, what to do with it, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but when, if we're not saying that, what do we do with this sort of a reading?
1: Yeah. I mean it is one of the challenging readings, and I think the as church, time and again on this first Sunday in Advent, we are called to be challenged by readings like this. Mm-hmm. I mean, my title for this for this reading is like Advent is Adventurous, and it is about rediscovering, redeeming, and recovering. Because I mean, in a context of a fragile world, and if the gospel writer Luke is in residence, he would call the distress, he will name the distress among nations conflicts. And he would say the future of the planet as confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves or the undocumented travels and the refugees crossing oceans as people will faint from fear. So there is so much that I can see. And then he says, then you see the son of God coming in a cloud with power and great glory in verse 27. So Advent for me as a time of waiting is an affirmation in the nearness of God. And the existing signs of times in the world are not just end of our times, but times at our end. And times on our end, which is calling us to recognize that the Son of Man is in our situations. So adventure, Advent is adventure. And so we are called to rediscover it, recapture it, and reaffirm it. And to put it again to further on, how it is about rediscovering the nearness of God's presence. and The Son of Man coming in the cloud Is a Christological title we know picked up from the apocryphal literature of Daniel. But but in Jesus Christ, God is unsettled from those zones of transcendence into imminence. So Advent is is a time for us to unsettle the very understanding of God. That God is not somewhere over there trying to do magic and things working. But God in Jesus Christ as son of man is coming and being with us in our creation and with our Christ- with with our creatures so the distance between god and creation is reduced with jesus coming and the son of man i like the title son of man because that really puts jesus into our context of dust and dirt and therefore i i find that that this season advent advent offers me to rediscover the nearness of god's presence and it is also about redeeming the redemption for, for, in moving forward. When the Son of Man comes, Luke proposes that the redemption is near. I mean, I know redemption is a market term, or which means repurchase. But for our times today and reading it from a subversive ways, redemption would be to redeem our rhetoric of faith and turn them into praxis. Or redeeming, if redemption is pay-with, I want to read it as reconciliation which is pay together and to take it even further as reparation to pay back. So Advent therefore affirms in the nearness of God's redemption which calls us for a reparation as a way forward. So redeem, redemption, reconciliation and reparation are the new public theological words for our times where we are, as faith communities called to offer. And the third thing is about rediscovering God's reign. And I see there is a democracy in God's, God's reign. Most times we have used the word in incarnation, but incarnation for me is about intercarnation, where the Messiah comes from within our own communities. So, in that rediscovering, like the fig tree or things like that, the Son of Man, as a subject along with us, is a co creature along with us. So, that gives me a hope that Jesus has come down to be one with us and is inviting several others to spring up like that righteous uh, branch so that we can offer uh, hope. So it is not about just feeling depressed about our signs of times, but it is about celebrating hope because in Jesus, God has been, the very understanding of God is unsettled. Not only unsettled, the Messiah is, Is being taken being born from among our communities. So most times I feel Christmas has become like a memorial to the birth of Jesus Christ. Christmas is not a memorial of the birth of Jesus Christ. We need to see that Jesus is being born born in our own communities. And if we can recognize that, Christmas is meaningful. Otherwise, it is a memorial or an anniversary of Jesus' birth. So this text offers me hope and it is inviting me to, to see that recognize the messiah in in offering hope to the science of our times
0: yeah. that's a great challenge to enter the advent season with i love that thank you so much um uh, the only other thing i was particularly making notes on and i didn't know where my thinking was going to go with this yet but um Obviously, there's quite a lot referencing creation uh, in the Luke passage. And, and I was just struck doing some reading this morning how, actually, particularly in, in Mark and in Luke, uh, Matthew and in Luke, rather, um, we do see that where we have both the birth and the death of Jesus, actually, heaven and earth signal these significant moments. It's uh, all of creation is involved in that Christ story. And I I, I knew that, but I'm not sure I'd ever really thought that through before mm. today. So that's something I'm going to be pondering on this week um, yeah. as well, how all of creation uh, plays its part in in telling that story.
1: Yeah. Mm. I, I mean, that that is how I think Luke is trying to say that the signs in the sun, the moon and the stars and the earth, he, he's inviting us to just don't be what you call too much people centred. I mean, widen your net. Because the signs of the times, the creation is speaking to us. The sun, the moon, the earth are, are speaking to us. And we have been so anthropomorphic. We, we don't understand their language. And I think this text is an invitation for us to, to listen to the groans of the creation. And to say, in Jesus, I have hope. But I am also called to be a hope to overcome the human greed. And try to strive towards the renewal of the creation. Mm. Amen.
0: So um, preaching these texts, then, would you be looking to take one of them and particularly focus on that? Or would you kind of use them all and draw a, a thread between them and do something more thematic? What would be your plan?
1: I mean, I am planning to preach on Psalm 25 because, okay, yeah. because of I, I know each text needs so much time to engage, to understand and then to bring in relevance. So maybe uh, one a text at a time will be a right one. So, for me, this week is about Psalm 25, where I mean, when I begin and I read that Psalm 25, the psalmist begins, To you, O Lord, I come, and in you I put my trust. Do not put me to shame or do not put any others who wait on you on shame. So, shame defines my context today, or shame defines our context today. So, I want to engage how people are understanding shame or what is shame for people in our, for our times today because for migrants, the people, the, the context has put on a shame on them. You are coming over from somewhere uh, for betterments and things like that. For, for people, uh, even on creation, there is a shame that we human beings put on them. So, how do we grapple with this understanding of shame and how do we turn this trust as uh, the gospel in the context of shame is how I would want to go this Sunday. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much
0: for coming on this morning and sharing your, your wisdom and your uh, reflections. I've been making notes as we've been talking. Uh, so it's certainly going to help me uh, this week. And I'm really looking forward to listening in uh, next season as you take over hosting the podcast and wish you every blessing with that. So Raj, thank you so much for being with us uh, this morning. But friends, before the blessing, don't go just yet. Um, As always, if you've enjoyed this edition of Politics in the Pulpit, you can leave us a review wherever you get your podcast, you can share it with your friends and you can join our Twitter conversation using hashtag politics in the pulpit. But... But during this Advent season, we've got some bonus material for you. David Hardman, a Methodist minister, part of the JPIT team, has recorded some bonus content for you. There will be a short 10 minute reflection on the gospel passage for each week of Advent to go along with the candle lighting liturgy, which really is excellent um, that he's produced for us at JPIT. All of these resources are already available on the JPIT website and the reflections will come out via the politics in the pool pit feed on the Tuesday before the Sunday as well, just as we would with our regular episodes. And we're starting that today. So there are two episodes coming out today. So that's our regular episode and then the Advent special as well. We love a bit of resource overlap here, and you can never have too many Daves in your podcast feed at this time of year. So do have a listen, have a watch. You'll be blessed as you do, I'm sure. But thank you for being with us during this season and for being part of our conversations. It's been a joy to share these few months with you in this way. And I look forward to listening and watching in the new year. And we finish with the blessing that we've used at the end of each episode this season. May the blessing of the God of peace and justice be with us. May the blessing of the son who wipes the tears of the world's suffering be with us and may the blessing of the Spirit who inspires us to reconciliation and hope be with us from now and into eternity. Amen. Amen. Grace and peace to you today.